Hello, welcome to Shoot First Talk Later with me, Robert Gershenson. My guest this week is another stand-up comic, and it's quite refreshing to see a woman actually doing stand-up in a world where men seem to be the preferred or the favoured um, gender in that in that community. It's great to see a woman actually making waves and doing a bloody good job. Her name is Lou Sanders. We've done the shooting. Now let's do the talking. Hi, Lou. How are you? Hey, little confession. I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're just going to have to start all over again, aren't Please, we? Yeah. I'm going to have to say something like, she was a woman, no. but now she's actually made the, the, the choice to change her gender and become a man. And I'm doing it for publicity. <laughs> doing it for womanhood. <laughs> because that's what you have to do these days. Yeah, You've got to have a cause. Yeah. You've got to have a cause. Yeah. Um, I'm really interested to know, I'm always, I'm always inter- interested to know how people come to that decision to get up on stage and think, well, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to try and make people laugh. I was phenomenally funny as a baby. And <laughs> then I just thought, we cannot waste this talent. It's not fair to the world. No, I don't know why I did. I, th- I suppose because I wasn't um, really feeling anything else. So I thought, oh, this, I mean, I'll try this. I don't know. What was it? University? You you were doing it? Or? No, 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 no. Um, uh, just um, I did a course in London, like a six week course that everyone does, and in comedy. Yeah, oh. it, it, it's um the Amuse Moose course, and it's really just to get you to like have that discipline of writing each week and stuff. I mean, that sounds lazy now every week, <laughs> but yeah, I did that. And how long ago was that? Ages, eight nine years. But what were you doing before? I what? worked in television. Okay. So did I you. Did. I did. That's where we met. Is it? Yeah. You were, you were already doing comedy by then. Right. And I was doing stuff with a production company. And so were you. But... B. 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 Brown Eye Boy. Brown Eye Boy, yeah. Um, you were doing some sketches. Oh, yeah. I can't remember where. We, it was around Liverpool Street we were filming it. Oh, my God. In what like were a we disused doing? church or something. Oh, that was uh, that was called. What was that called? I don't know if it was. I think I don't. It I, did. It got a pilot. But I, I don't even think it was a broadcast pilot. I think it was. Mm. Was it a broadcast? And it pilot? went out. Yeah. Okay. Much to everybody's surprise. No, it was. <laughs> I forget what it's called. It was all right. The BBC just wanted to try and make it really urban, didn't they? So they were like, "Oh yeah, um, could we just make it a bit more urban?" <laughs> to the sort of disrespecting everybody in a way, and like. Uh, just sort of pushing so it was a mixed ensemble um mixed ethnicity not mixed ages or anything else but and they would literally sort of like push <laughs> push someone of race into the scene like can we make this <laughs> which is so a weird united colors of benetton comedy special yeah 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 rather than letting it um uh take place because we had some great writers and it like i don't know the just the way they were doing it was a bit weird for everyone you think they were just uh, ticking boxes for the sake of ticking boxes well they had some great black writers and performers so they should have just in a way let us get on with it but it was it was more like well this sketch hasn't got a black person in so can we just wheel one in <laughs> it was more like that <laughs> so everyone was feeling like oh god like can't you just leave us to i hate the word organic but organically do what we think's funny together. Do you, do you find that you you work best when you're just left your own devices? You don't like too much interference. I love a collaboration. Yeah. I love to collaborate. <laughs> no, I do like collaboration, but um, yeah, I do actually. Um, but I think it should be maybe left a bit more to the performers and writers rather than like. So there's a series of something that's going out. Um, the, the second series of I won't say the name is coming back and the first series was really successful they weren't really expecting it and it was a really good thing it was a really good show and because it was successful then all the execs are like oh so let's get involved and then they're making it different to yeah. what was in the first series because everyone wants to get involved and it's like just let it and happen. that's a recent thing mm. which I shouldn't mention the name because I feel bad saying that about the BBC there's some great commissioners yeah and there's some great some great decision makers, but I do think it should be left more to the people writing it and in it. So people who actually understand comedy. Yeah. Comedy is a very, very difficult thing to do. And if someone's been working eight, nine years at it, I don't know. I don't know. I get why someone needs to oversee it, but not to the degree of like controlling it. Because anytime you try and grasp something really hard and like control it, then you 
sort of squeeze out the magic of it. So back in the day, we in television, were you just working behind the scenes? Back in the day when hip hop was hip hop. Yeah, I was doing development Fridays, but not a comedy. So um, it was more like entertainment and stuff. Like a bit of the BBC, actually, that was fun. Um, I wasn't great at it, though, because it was um, like formatted shows and I just wanted to do comedy. So my friend who I worked for, she was the like head of development there. And she always says like, oh, you would stick a comedian or a cat in everything. <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think I did, but... Well, stick in a cat, that's, that's uh, you know... Stick that, a cat in it, love. Well, the, the Apprentice, but stick a cat in it. <laughs> <laughs> but that predates all these cat videos on the internet, so you're actually mm, quite forward-thinking. Mm. Incredibly forward-thinking. Thank you. So you were, you were working in development, which mm. I guess if, if anyone doesn't really know, in development, in each production company, you have like... They have a separate table. Always a separate table in the yeah, office. And it's always a, a core team of like four. And they're the ones who have to come up with the new ideas. Sometimes they're lounging on a beanbag. <laughs> cafe latte in hand. What's a cafe latte? <laughs> cafe. A whole cafe latte. A whole cafe latte. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so they're the ones who come up with the ideas. And essentially, they're, they never seem to really... Like everyone else is on short-term contracts. But yeah. they're the ones who are always... They're there all the time. Yeah. And you could just move from development team to development team in different production companies. And you can quite happily have... They're usually a 29-year-old white male who's gone to a good university and whose parents have funded him through the first five years of TV where he's not been earning any money. That's pretty much... That is pretty much... I guess that's pretty much why I'll I left as well. <laughs> <laughs> no. I um. You were in there. You left, didn't you? I left after two years. I was... I think I hit it. I think I was in television at a very difficult time because the the, the recession had just hit. Right. So, I mean, television's a very, very competitive anyway and you really struggle sometimes to get paid mm. or you struggle to get paid more than 250 a week yeah. before tax. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is, in London, That's it's just how do people... Mm. People live on credit cards and overdrafts. But... It was even more competitive and even less paid because of the recession. I was like, I'm done with this. And yeah. it wasn't creative enough for me. I, I yeah. found that the shows I were working on were too formatted and there was no room for, you know, just just improvisation or just, let's, see, let's, let's be creative and just see what happens. Um, and there, what was that? That was me <laughs> banging the mic. All right. With my hands. <laughs> Classic broadcast. But photography's... What's the word? Competitive, yes. But in yeah. a different way. But, but you, you're your own boss. I'm my own boss. But also, people can just jump on my website and see, ah, oh, he's actually got... <laughs> I thought you were going to say jump on my... I don't know what I thought you were <laughs> going to say. They can jump on my cameras if they want. They're not going to break them. They're really, really They can tough. jump on my bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> but it, the, the, the difficulty I found in television was I would be considered shit hot on one show. Yeah. But then the next job I get they wouldn't know who I was, so I'd be right back at the bottom. There was no career progression. You'd mm, make your way up mm, a little mm. bit within one show, and then, boom, you're back to the bottom. At least with photography, people can look at my website and go, ah, he's at level seven. Yeah. So we need him because we need a level. Not that they do it levels, yeah, but yeah, you know, they yeah, can gauge yeah. what stage you're at in your career. Yeah. Um, and I guess, I guess it's also, is it difficult or not difficult for people to look at your stand-up and go, Ah, maybe she's, she's at level, 10 years she's in. level two. <laughs> <laughs> and that, you're happy being at level two. Um, uh, well, it depends on the gig, doesn't it? They they wildly vary. I I would say, like it within a uh, hopefully a not too bad a barometer, but they vary. You know, I'm level seven karate though. That's yeah. one thing. Yeah, are we all? In a way, I guess we're not. <laughs> 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 um, do you remember your first stand-up gig? You really love Batman. You've got Batman on your phone and your computer. Yeah, I love Batman. Sponsored, this is sponsored by Batman. Um, <laughs> by like Wayne, a, Wayne, Wayne Enterprises. Like a seven-year-old boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, but he just, he's still in a Batman phase. <laughs> Batman pajamas. Batman Are we all Batman? Shoe. In our heads? Uh, no. Be Batman. I'm Mrs. Batman. He was never married. Mm. It's a character I'm working on. <laughs> there might be some franchise problems with the... It's, uh, for the commissioned editors at the BBC. Yeah. Mrs. Mrs. Batman. Batman. Have you got any right? No. 
Mrs. Batman. She she was the power behind Batman, but nobody knows. Behind about. every Batman is a Batwoman. Exactly. Mrs. Batman. Oh, they did have Batwoman, didn't they? They had Catwoman. Ah, oh, so similar animal. Catwoman, Batgirl. 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 That's what I'm talking Batgirl. about. She was shot through the stomach. Because <sighs> she was pregnant, no doubt. Horrible. Oh, I don't know actually if she was pregnant idea. or not. She was shot through the stomach and the bullet severed the base of her spine so she ended up in a wheelchair. No, is that true? Yeah, not in real life, in the in the comics. Oh my god. But 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 why? <laughs> uh, the Joker did it. But can't she come back? Well she came back as someone called Oracle, so in like just as the internet was hitting, they thought, God, this internet thing, we need to like we need to like capitalise on this. Yeah. So she became Oracle and she had her base and if like other superheroes in the DC universe needed help mm. with information, they'd contact the Oracle and she'd be like checking it all out and shit. She was essentially 118118. Right, keep her at home, keep her indoors, keep her home, shoot yeah. her through the stomach and then that's a message, Go. that's a very powerful message. Yeah. Keep her indoors. But <laughs> also, why aren't we seeing more superheroes, uh, paraplegics and stuff being superheroes? It's an interesting idea because you're not, you know, you're still powerful just because one faculty isn't, the same as someone else's. We live in the, I guess we live in a world that has sort of aspirational dreams yeah. and everything's towards the, the idea of the perfect body. Blind Batman. Yes, please. The opposite of bats because they can see really well. I'd like to see a handicap <laughs> <laughs> flying into things. Oh, there's a really good podcast. Not Well, this, this one, but there's another one. Um, which talks about this blind guy who got everywhere by clicking. Clicking? Uh, what, his fingers uh, are? No, like when they do, when they, because um, the noise reverberates off so they can tell So he was kind, kind of using a kind of sonar. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a thing. And he was, so an American guy, so he, since he was young, he taught himself that sonar thing and then he would ride a bike and everything. But the American press were really sort of quite patronizing of like it's the blind boy that taught himself to ride a bike <laughs> and so there's a really funny bit where him and his friend are taking the piss out of um how the media sensations kind of thing and his view is um people raise people with any disability to be um not self-sufficient and victims rather than why can't they just teach themselves to ride bikes blah blah i guess everyone's different but very interesting podcast there was a there was a spate of Channel Five shows around the time that I was working in TV, and it was always um, the the boy in India, the real life elephant man, yeah, or um, like man with the fifty ton tumor, dick. <laughs> or dick, or tumor could have been both. But I think the comments at the time were, if this was the Victorian era, we would be queuing up paying yeah whatever coins they used back then yeah to see them it was freak shows essentially yeah and now they're on telly if yeah. you're not if you're not you know gym toned beautiful yeah blonde haired blue eyed for men or for women chestnut flowing hair mm. and l'oreal it's it's almost like you're you're not i hate to imagine what that'd be like not being like that though. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just so blast <laughs> um but do you find in, in the comedy world that um people are kind of given a free pass. They, they can use their, their humour to, to not look how movie stars are meant to look. Yeah, there was a, there's a theory like um, the comics have never really been good looking before. Well, not as a massive sweeping generalisation, but they're used... But um, there's loads of people... Like, it's well documented. People say like, oh, comedians aren't supposed to be good looking. Like, in our day, they were, you know, like fat outsiders or you know weird looking outsiders and now they do seem to have got better looking but i think it's just more people are doing it and also people generally have got better looking in the remember when we were younger like mums and dads of a certain age like we always thought they were old and now mums and dads are quite glamorous and they've yeah, upped their yummy game mummies. yeah i used to watch um uh those programs instead of going to college you know uh daytime programs where they're on the couch and they'll be like you you know jeremy jeremy kyle yeah jeremy kyle and then they'd say like oh you called her a fat pig and you you're you want to leave her because she's put on weight and everyone goes boo but now <laughs> there's more of a thing to look after yourself and eat right foods and stuff isn't there I'm, i don't know what point i'm making really but we've got more vain <laughs> um 
you're a vegan, so it kind of ties into that. Thank you for bringing that up because Do you... I don't usually like to talk about it. <laughs> but yes, correct. I'm a vegan, guys. And did you do that because a, of because of a vein streak because i'm very spiritual and i'm a better person than you <laughs> <laughs> and also my shaman told me to <laughs> do you have a shaman yes where, do, where does one find a shaman I is that like a personal trainer you can find a really bad one who's probably a crook in those papers or those like magazines like loot yeah <laughs> mr shaman <laughs> uh no i do, i went vegan because um uh, dairy's not actually very good for you and also but mainly because of the animals because the farming industry is disgusting yeah. and the little cows get taken away no one's going to want to listen to this but I'll tell you anyway <laughs> it's a platform which I'll use <laughs> the baby cows get taken away from their mamas so that their mamas can have loads of milk and the cows like mourn them and get so depressed like they've just given they've carried it around in their stomach one of their stomachs haven't they got like loads they've got like seven haven't they yeah in a way no again <laughs> um and then they have and then their baby gets taken away and there's loads of antibiotics and shit in the milk not shit antibiotics and sugar and um it's just gross and they get their tits like linked up to a machine all the time and they get sores around their nipples and cows have got a best friend and when their best friend gets taken away to be killed they get really upset and they get depression but imagine that more so with their own kid how do we know they get depression well, I don't know. Some vet or something's probably te- asked them. <laughs> Do you feel blue today? Yeah, I think so, mate. All my family have been taken away from me, <laughs> and I'm linked up to this bloody milk machine. Do you find? Do you feel healthier being a vegan? Yes. I mean, look at my skin; it's glowing. <laughs> <laughs> um, what What was the kind of the hardest thing to give up when you you decide? How, sorry, how long have you been a vegan? You've been a vegan. Uh, well, four or five months. Five, five I months. was before that as well, but then I stopped and then I'm going to take it up. This is so boring for everyone. No, I find it really fascinating. Cause... But don't worry, because you can buy fake cheese. <laughs> <laughs> if you're ever feeling blue. But did you not find it hard to give up like a whole no. group of food? You didn't. Well, I did actually at first, yes. And then the, the more you do it, and I cheated a few times, but then I could smell milk in my nasal capacity my nose my nose basically i was like <laughs> no need to fancy up the words in my nose i could smell milk and it smelled disgusting oh so after a while yeah when i when i'd cheat here and there yeah. and then i'd smell milk and i'd be oh gross see i would like to i would like to try veganism veganism you don't like milk anyway or cheese do you i don't i don't really eat cheese i'll have it on pizza but that's not mm. that's fake isn't it no, it's cheese. You can, you can, <laughs> <laughs> I'm delighted to me. tell you that you're not eating. But it's not like I would never sit there and like have a whole block of cheese. Like some people like say, oh, I love brie. Yeah. And I'll eat all the brie. Or I love yeah, cheddar. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah. Just raw cheese on its own. But if, on the pizza, it's hidden. It's like secret cheese. Yeah, and yeah, I'm okay yeah, with yeah. that because I can disguise You can get vegan pizza now and then you'd feel better about it all. And also you can get like, milk is disgusting. It's, like, it's got pus cells in it, milk. Has it? Yes, mate. Wake up. <laughs> <laughs> Wake up and smell the rancid milk. So you can get like almond milk and it's delicious. I've tried it. It's rank. No. Yeah, it might Fuck be because off out I... of town, mate. It's delicious. <laughs> it might be because I grew up on soya milk. Oh yeah, have that then. But I can't, I can't know. I've had so much of it. I can't. You know, you just oh, physically can't milk, put it in your body anymore. Rice oat, milk. oat milk. There's different types of milk. Get onto it. It's, I mean, milk is disgusting. I feel sorry for milkmen though. It was an honest job, wasn't it? Ding ding. Here's your milk. It's cute. Yeah. The world changes. Get used to it. I guess. They started delivering pints of orange juice. That's all right. Mm. I went up uh, past Hampstead the other day, and there was um, it was such lovely houses at the top of the hill, and. Um, uh, someone had left a pint of milk outside this house and I thought, that is so quaint. <laughs> I, I bet that's going on all around the world though, apart from only in Hampstead in London. And then... Well, I had a milkman for a while, quite recently actually, but because he wasn't putting on the bottles when they expired, yeah, we didn't... We'd like thrown away shitloads of milk so we thought, well, fuck this, we'll just go back to Tesco. Fuck you, Robin. And you're not even giving my mum any. Yeah. <laughs> um, when I said world, I meant country. Like outside of London, I bet people have milkmen. And women, please, hello. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the milk delivery industry is not relegated to one gender. And that's what we want to talk about on this podcast right here, right now. <laughs> I mean, you are quite feminist forward, aren't you? Uh, feminist forward. Uh, just believe in equality, thank you. Yeah. Uh, yes, Robert, yes. <laughs> I've been paid less for gigs than men. 
quite openly. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, but they always make excuses. So actually, I like did what? Uh, like. So I replaced someone at this vegan gig and he'd been going like a year, no like profile or TV credits or anything like, and so I was, which is, I don't mean that in like, <laughs> I just mean, you obviously you get paid more if you've got a bigger profile and I accept that kind yeah. of thing. But he'd been going a year, do you know what I mean? And well, you do know what I mean, because I just told you. <laughs> and he was getting, they were paying him like 50 quid more than me. And I knew because someone else told me. And then I was like, hang on a minute, like how come he's getting this and I'm getting this? And they were just like, oh, they had no reason for it, but they always make up a reason. And then another, I did a weekend of gigs with three guys. So we all did the same gig Friday, Saturday. They, for the weekend of gigs, they were getting like 85, 90 pounds more than me. And we Her were gig. all, uh, no, for the combination of the two. Yeah. And but eight to five quid is still quite a lot of money for, well, for even if it's a pound because you've got a wrong. dick like yeah. you know and um then i was like hang on what well, i found out and i was like, mate what's going on here and then he well actually i hadn't had a chance to speak to the guy who was running the gigs but so before i went on stage on the second night so i went on stage and i broke the microphone and then i was like well you can take it out of my wages oh no wait a minute i'm not getting paid as much and i told all the audience and everything oh wow so we had time to think Were about the audience it. with you on that night. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was I mean, like when you when you break the fourth wall, I guess. Yeah. When you start revealing backstage shit, sometimes it can go against you. To be fair, the night before I hadn't had the best gig. It was quite average, and so I wouldn't have like challenged my money then. But then the second night, I had such a nice gig that I was like, "Can you believe this? Like, I pay less." Blah, blah, blah. And like, but I did it in a funny way, hopefully. And yeah. then they thought it was funny. But then the guy had time to think about his excuse and he said like oh it's just because I've never seen you perform before so and I've seen the others perform before and I thought well don't I don't know I don't know maybe that's maybe that's reasonable it's it's kind of a horrible situation because you can be so sure of of the reason Mm. with no way of proving it and you you just know in your gut this person's bullshitting me and they're getting away with it yeah but do you find that's that's prevalent across the whole uh comedy um, there's been community. examples of it like there's lots of examples my friend is an agent and um, he reps I won't say the names and stuff but he reps this uh, girl who got nominated and she's a really good comedian and nominated pe- for a Perrier thing like best show okay. I actually think she won like best newcomer so I mean you could probably work it out but <laughs> anyway he said that people phone up and offer so she's doing really well. She's a really good comedian. She's been proven. She's got an award for best newcomer. Yeah. Like she's a good comedian. People will phone up for, to ask for different comedians and book the same for the same gig. Like, so they'll be, so she'll be on in the middle and <clears throat> another guy that he reps will be on in the middle and they'll offer different money. For, and he's got less qualifications if you're talking about, you know, and they're just, and he was like, no, of course she's not going to do it for less money. Like what do you, I'm her agent. And why would you, offend us by even subject do you know what i mean and they don't it doesn't even enter their heads like it's so subconscious and subliminal but that's that was going to be my next question is it so ingrained that this is acceptable behavior yeah just because this has been going on for for years even even growing up when when i used to watch you know panel shows like um whose lines it anyway or you know the the recent ones like uh, mock the week and mm. um other ones and eight out of ten cats it's always been quite male heavy yeah and the the women that are on it are always the same women. So yeah. it's almost like they go, well, these five proven, are perfectly they're scared. fine. They're scared. Um, like Ashir is, is on these shows quite often. Um, and I, as a viewer, I do feel it's kind of box ticking. Jeannie Ashir is a woman. She's brilliant. I've seen her. At, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What did I see? I think I saw her at Jonglers in Camden. Yeah. Um, she's great. Phenomenal. She, she headlined. But on television, she's always playing second fiddle. And she's a box right. ticker for them. She's a woman and she's black. Yeah. So in one seat, they get two, two yeah, boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, People are just scared though because it hasn't been proven before. And it is a bit chicken and egg. So like uh, women, I say, when they come out, and it's changing, it is changing. So that's good. That's the good news. But like, when women come out, the audience even treat them differently. And we're so used to like, bo- like blokes being like the band, you know, like laddie. like laddie together and we're used to that and even women don't want to see a woman there because it adds a different energy they think or they think like oh, they're just not used to it so anything that people aren't used to takes a while to shift so yeah. it is happening slowly but but surely it has been proven over and over again that 
women can women people can be so, just as much comedy gold as the men. Even, people are even, so scared. There's a producer right now. I'm not going to mention his name. He's so scared of putting women on. He's so scared of giving them. A, he just doesn't think they're funny. So he's like, I don't, I don't get it because people like Joan Rivers paved the way. Kathy Griffin. And then in this country, Joe Brand. But if they see a sh- if they go and see a woman do stand up and they're shit, they're like, no, nah, I knew it. I don't know. It's but like do they have that same reaction with a man? Oh, no. I knew he'd be shit. But they see they see women in certain roles and they're comfortable with that, and it's a big change in ego to to confront. You know, people just don't like change. What about the women who are in charge? Uh, some of them, some of them are really great and championing other women. Other women, no. Some of them don't want to. Number of times I do a gig and people come up afterwards going, "I don't usually find women coming up going, I don't usually find women funny, but you're right. They don't <laughs> know. Like, they don't. Like, that's the same as saying, you know, you're right for a black guy or you're okay for a gay guy. Yeah, and that's your own race and your own yeah. gender. Like what? You don't have a laugh with your friends. You, you're not ever having. Anyway, I'll tell you, I'm. I'm proving them right at the moment because I'm being too serious. <laughs> She's well, not saying one funny are, thing. I think these things have to be said. Yeah, but it is changing. I'm, le- I'm, re- I'm, re- I'm reading Lean In uh, two years after everyone else at the moment. <laughs> um, so going back to sort of your early days of doing the comedy. Mm. Um, that's what we call how, it. That's what we call it, doing the comedy. How long did it take you to find your style? I'm just going to move uh, your microphone forward a bit because I can see you're leaning. Well, I can't, but my face is right in it. Like, I couldn't be any... My face is right in it now. I'm kissing it. <laughs> kissing he keeps mic. he keeps going, move forward, move forward. <laughs> but the thing is, I'm eating the microphone. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, oh, uh, style. Yeah, I don't know. Have I even found it? Nobody knows. How long did it take you to find your style as a legend? As a legend? As a full-time um, legend. I'm still finding it. Still mm. finding it. Um, it took me a while to find my... My visual style. And even in the last year or so, it's kind of altered a little bit. Mm. Um, what are you taking pictures of now? Sorry? What are you taking pictures of now? Live stuff. Portraits. Did yeah. you before? Yeah. Pictures <laughs> of you. Those would be my greatest ones. I can retire now. Um, yeah. I, I really like character portraits. So I like to see a sense of who the person is. Um, or like a concept or a narrative. What about dick pics? No, God, no. <laughs> um, people always say, Rob, why don't you go and... Because I do video as well. They say, yeah. why don't you go and do... You know, why don't you go record porn? I'm like, I really want to. No, there's not like, a lot of... Yeah, but it's just It'll be boring. And yeah, it's probably quite a... A, it's probably quite competitive to get into that. But also... Is it, do you think? I'd imagine. My friend worked in the porn industry. As a... He was a runner at... Um, I worked at this lovely little production company and he was a runner there. He was so cute. Like, it was his first job. <coughs> Sorry. Um, since university or whatever. And then little Ricky, he was so cute, this ginger kid. And um, quite shy and everything. I, le- I left that company. Then six months later, I was like, what's happened to little Ricky? He's like, oh, he's full on in the porn industry. Like, he's a producer. Oh, wow. <laughs> he moved up the ranks pretty quick. Good on him. Mm, good for him, yeah. I wonder what he did to get there. But, uh... Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> the mind boggles. <laughs> but how would you describe your your current style? Uh, oh god. Uh, oh, that's a terrible question, Rob. Really? Yeah. <laughs> but you've got to be able to identify what you do. I mean, I I I, I know I would describe you in a particular way. Go on then. When I, when I watch your comedy, it's sexy. kind of sexy. <laughs> um, it's almost like your being shambolic on purpose right and has someone said that to you before Have no describe that they haven't because you're you're kind of very you're quite jittery and on yeah. stage and well guess what i cleaned up my act mate i've gone mainstream yeah, yeah. and uh <laughs> no i am less shambolic now and uh, my last show had a bloody um f- uh l- like what's it called i don't know well a beginning a middle and end and a theme, theme and structure thank structure. you and i didn't hardly deviate or talk to myself in it but I like that when you do that. Well, good luck because <laughs> baby's gone corporate. <laughs> um, but also, where do you say the word baby? It's almost like you're like a little kid trying to understand the world mm. around you, the way you would mm. speak to yourself. And, and Mama's grown up. <laughs> <laughs> but was that a conscious decision to do that? Yeah, I've, and actually it didn't work that well. <laughs> I'm going back to my roots. It was kind of, uh, well, I just thought, because I write loads of jokes in my shows, but people just see you in a certain way, like they pigeonhole you. I was talking to someone in Pappies about this. In, of like, sorry? Pappies, the sketch 
group puppies. I'm not the one. Oh, come off it. They're great. They're so great. But like, I'll check them out. In your sketch group, there's always like the crazy one, the serious one who's trying to, you know. And so they would get work off the back of puppies, but. coordinating individually individually but coordinating to their character a little bit do you know what i mean like so what how you present yourself on stage is very in a box very black and white so if people think you're scatty they don't think you can do uh writing gags and there were loads of gags in my show but lots of people said they were sort of they didn't realize how many they're sort of hidden were they lost in the mix or just like the thing that came comes across is scatty rather than like a writer yeah but then the joke count was actually quite high, but people, I don't know. Does that sound really full of myself? But no, people no, take think, one I think, thing. I think that makes sense because I you think could... a lot of the time, unless you're in like full-blown character mode, like Dame Edna or yeah. um, Lily Savage, and it just doesn't have, just have to be dragged, like Al Murray. Yeah. Unless you're in full-blown character mode, people don't realise that comedians are playing the version of themselves. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you talk to most comedians off stage, they're... They're actually, some of them are cripplingly shy. Some of them are a bit socially awkward, but others are just, you know, they're socially fine, but they're not their stage character. I mean, you say scatty. I love a to-do list and I've got a Virgo moon, so I'm very organised. <laughs> <laughs> are you into, um, I guess you're into uh, star signs and whatnot? No. Yes, yes. <laughs> you, and you read bit. them you No, read them I don't. Or? I think, I, I think there's something in it because in, um, I don't know. Let's not talk about this. But um, I couldn't be closer to the mic, actually. Why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you I am to... close to it. Well, get another mic, mate. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. I've not... This is the closest I've been to <laughs> someone called Mike. <laughs> what? Um, but just go back to the, the, the point I just raised before, that people don't realise that comedians actually are playing a role. Yeah, but then it is a version of themselves because you give you put yourself across in everything you do in a way, so people get a sense of yourself. So it is like there is if you're coming across as like a lesbian, you probably are a lesbian. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, really? No, if you've got no, but if you've got a lot of jokes about being gay, or you can't help but put yourself into it, I guess. What I'm saying is that's never the complete thing. You can bend and. But like, just just from a uh, perspective point of view, if people only see, well, let's say like Russell Howard comes across as kind of um, like a lad's lad, kind yeah. of like I'll go out on the Friday night, I'll you know shag a bird or whatever. Yeah. He's probably not the most extreme version of that, but. I wouldn't then think, oh, he would be, if I was a commission editor or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't think he'd be really good for this sweet, romantic comedy. That's true, comedy. that's true, yeah. You know, he couldn't, he couldn't be the, 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 the male lead in Boy Meets Girl, could he? Well, mate, I, he's quite sweet, but I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Do you think that that, I mean, that, that must be really tough. I just and hate that, being called mad all the time. Like, I hate being called... I'm trying to write something about it in this show of... Because people say, oh, maybe it's maybe I'm being too defensive, but I really hate, like, just that one label of uh, kooky or mad yeah. or... Because maybe it's because I don't feel like that. And actually, I think madness is doing a job you hate for years or... Um, being with the same partner when you don't want to be with them, but you're scared of being on your own. So I think everybody's mad in a really boring way. Okay. So that's my theory, which I'm trying to develop. Because it is like, everyone's mad in that they think of things on a cycle and they can't break free of it. Monotonous, shitty things like uh, about what they said or what they've done or feel guilty about stuff. Or like I say, in the wrong partner or the wrong job, but they're too scared to do anything about it. But So each day as like Groundhog Day, they do the same thing again and again, even though they're not happy in it. That to me is madness. So when I get called mad for stuff, I think, no, I don't think it is. But I am... Uh, I have got a, a bee in my bonnet about it. <laughs> I can see. <laughs> I'm absolutely... Well, between you and me, of... I'm absolutely livid. <laughs> <laughs> but it is kind of the uh, the comedy staple that you need that, that crazy character. And, and it, 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 I guess it is a lazy thing to fall back on in, in terms of how to describe someone by saying, oh, she's mad. But or, we all do The League of Gentlemen yeah. was crazy or surreal. Yeah. They never consider themselves surreal. Yeah. They consider themselves quite normal and it just happens that their outlook on life didn't really fit in with anyone else's normal outlook on life 
I mean, is shitting in a box and calling it Christmas mad? Because if so, <laughs> count me down as mad. No, I don't know. I guess we all do it all the time. Like we all make, uh, we have to make generalizations and observations and go with, we're always putting things, labeling things and putting it in a box. It's very hard not to. Yeah. Um, the current state of kind of television entertainment at the moment seems to surround talent shows mm. and game shows mm. and I guess panel shows. Mm. There doesn't really seem to be a place for stand-up really on television. Oh, there is on, a new stand-up show though. Um, I forget what it's called. There's a new stand-up show. Um, and there was one, another one before that, which I've forgotten what that's called as well. So there's a <laughs> Did couple, that even happen? But there's some great comedy at the moment. Have you been watching, um, what's it called? Crashing. That's really good. No. Uh, it's great. And also it's on at the moment, so you can catch it. Okay. And then uh, when this goes out, it might not be. <laughs> but it's all online nowadays, isn't it? Guys? Everything's online. 2016. But the, America seems to have a... a a real catastrophe that was very good oh it's so good America seems to have a real love of stand-up and that it, it, it seems to have more of a place the mm. late night talk shows will always have yes you know a, a 10 minute segment dedicated yeah. Yeah, to yeah. the new up-and-coming yeah. comedian who's on the circuit now this is her or his first television appearance maybe they'll bring a Brit over they have Saturday Night Live we don't really seem to have no, that I that know. culture we don't over uh, here. they are better at it we've got some great things coming out but it's just a smaller pool so it's a small so there's less opportunities and less money and America have got more people more money so that they're doing it a bit there's, better there's loads of stand-up comics who who need their, their yes, next step up yeah. and the clubs every night you can go and see in every stand-up comedy club in the country mm. And there must be there must be like at least two hundred in London. Yeah. And there's at least three or four acts each on each night. So yeah. do the math. There's enough people for them to, to pull. Oh, there's from. enough people. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Is there enough people to watch it? I don't know. Like, do they do they want that? But there there will be. It's all like ebbs and flows, isn't it? If not, just move to America. <laughs> you did Russell Howard. Yes. How long ago was this? <laughs> I didn't do him. Edit that. Will you please? Um, that was ages ago. Yeah. And I did Stuart Lee, but I was cut because I did loads of sound cues, like loads of jingles and songs. It sounds awful, but it was kind of funny. On, More than jingles. Strictly. No, Strictly. That's my phone. Uh, on, Stuart say- Goldsmith uh, from Comedians Comedian Podcast. Very, okay. good, very good podcast. Sorry to... Oops. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> no, you can advertise another podcast. Um, how did you get the, the Russell Howard gig? Uh, just by being really funny. No, they come to see you about five times. It's very well, uh, they're very, like I know it's been slagged off and stuff by Julie actually, but they're very uh, responsible in that they come and see your set, they tell you what's going to get in and what's not likely to. They try and be as creative as they can. It's really, you know, um, admirable. And then the Stuart Lee one, um, also fun, but very different. Like they don't see you at all. They Um, don't check what you're going to (laughs) do. And But is that more... It's more like anything. Is that goes. more in line of what Stuart Lee is like? As opposed yeah, it's to what great. Yeah, but like. but then a lot of people do. Then you do get cut. It, like my yeah. sound cues were. They said it was my fault though. They said it sounds like you made these in your bedroom. I was like, well, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. And then they were like, well, we can't use any of them. And they were all cutting into the stuff. So, yeah. Um, in terms of. Um, oh, and I did it naked. <laughs> in terms of support, do you find there's more support? Um, away from television in the small clubs do you get like a if you're let's say just throwing out names if you're doing a, a gig let's say round the corner in Kentish Town and mm. there's two people on before you and then mm-hmm. they're kind of been at it for a year you've been at it for a while and then someone established comes and does a headline I don't know like mm. I don't know, Robin Ince or mm-hmm. Eddie mm-hmm. Izzard or whatever yeah would do you feel that there's like a trickle effect where the support will the, the, um, the headliner will always like give people advice is is that support network on, around it's lot yeah it's a nice it's a nice industry and everyone's really nice and supportive i don't think i think it just depends what you've got on like i don't always talk to everyone on the bit it just depends what you've got in your mind and where you're going next like if you're going to another gig and you know but i think everyone's nice if someone asked for advice or emailed or something people will give it i think okay. but then it depends like you just because someone's in the same industry as you doesn't mean you're going to necessarily bond with them or like them because there are quite a lot of comedians you're not gonna like you bond with who you bond with don't you like Mm. it's an energy thing you don't like 
so you, it's not like everyone's going to be best mates with everyone because it's too many people. But do you feel that, I mean, whether they do or not, do you feel they should be doing it? Do you feel no. they should be ensuring the next? No. How much time have you got? Like, I think you, naturally things come up and you respond to them. So there's some new comedians, um, these girls who are really sweet, who I saw the other day at a party and they were like, oh, do you want to come and do this talk for... Um, uh, like schoolgirls at like 14, 15. And I thought, what a great idea. So when there's a project or like a common thing, then of course you all... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's really supportive and people do their best, but not everybody can... Do you know if you're in the headspace of a gig, you're yeah. doing a gig, it's not like you're gonna... Like you're doing your gig and then you probably go home because it's late. Okay. I don't know. Does that answer, that doesn't really answer the question. Everyone's really nice and everyone's really supportive. And <laughs> actually, I feel like there's a really good support network with women in comedy as well. Okay. Who's kind of been your mentor? I think what I meant there, sorry, is if someone's a massive bell end, you're not going to be like, but you're doing comedy. Like, come on in. You know, like, but most so it's people like, are it's nice. It's like any, any like workplace, any job. Any yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, you just, yeah. It, but everyone's nice. Okay. And there's not many bell who's ends. Been, who's, who's been your kind of mentor along the road uh i didn't want to say because i get shy but there's been <laughs> people that have been really nice and i'm really grateful to them for like well i stopped comedy for a while a couple of times oh, why? and my friend brett was like come on like sort it out and he made me get back into it so it was nice and then there's been uh just certain supporters along the way that are like yeah because otherwise i think you'd give up like if I think you because it is quite a hard competitive industry. Yeah. But then when you've got people who then champion you a bit and have been really nice and you do, yeah, you just keep on. Sarah Pascoe has been very good to me work-wise. Arguably got more stuff than my agent for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, is Edinburgh Rites of Passage? Would you would you say every stand-up comic sketch, sketch artist has to do Edinburgh? No, but I think it makes you a better performer. How so? Because... Every day you're doing, you're, f uh, I hate to say flexing that muscle, but every day for an hour or however, you know, you're, you're, well, one, you, you writing to a deadline, so that's great because you'll do all your other projects, but you've also got to write your show, so that's mm -hmm. great. So you, if you do like four or five shows, that's five hours of material, you know, so you're constantly thinking about it and writing it and it just makes you better. I think it's a terrible business model though, obviously, but you know, it's a good thing to do. How many times have you done Edinburgh? This will be my fifth year if I go this year, which I think I'm going to. I want to use a trapeze. <laughs> you want to use a trapeze? Yeah, I'm going That's... to trapeze class. And I want to end the show with a trapeze thing. You'll need a big room. Yeah, I think I'm doing Pleasance, but I don't know. it's not a big room. It's like 75 seats or something. That's still 75 people you've got to get in every night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you got faith in me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you... I mean, it's a silly question. You don't find... I'll do it to 73. <laughs> 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 too, the show will not go ahead. Two people will not say that. I guess you don't find it easy. And would you want to find it easy? What? How do you know I don't find it easy? Trapeze or comedy? Um, comedy. No, I find it very easy. You find it really easy to do? <laughs> yeah, it's like a making love. <laughs> um, no, I don't, I don't not... I mean, I've done it for ages. So it's not like I find it easy or hard. I find it... Cha different I want to be challenged with it I want to do mm. bigger and bigger rooms I want to do like I, w I want my boundaries to be pushed with it so if it's just a normal gig in London that's kind of easy yeah but because you've done it so many times but I want to be I want to find it hard in that I want to do bigger and bigger rooms and yeah writing a show is a bullet but it gets easier and easier it's not that hard writing an average show is quite easy <laughs> what's the biggest room you've done Maybe like 750 or something. I did the Palace. What's that? Like 750, I think. Um, I'm palace? sure I've done more than that. The Palace Theatre in London. That's not very many, though. I want to do like... Is that only 750? Maybe it's more. I don't know. Yeah, it's like three tiers. Maybe it wasn't sold out. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Chairs or people. <laughs> yeah, I want to do like massive rooms. That's what I want. The O2. Is that, is that the oh, is that I'd the, love to do that. Is that the, is that the dream for all stand-up comics? Because... I don't know. I think up to even 10 years ago, I don't remember no, comedians different doing now, yeah. big places oh, man, like that. Man, I'd love to do it, but I would be so scared. But so 20, good people. to do, not as a regular thing, but good to do a few times. Yeah. 
Do you go on tour as someone's support? Have you done no, that? No, I'm doing a date. I was supposed to do Catherine Ryan date, but then I was I double booked it and had my own ah. show to do accidentally. But I'm doing her. I'm doing a gig for, tour, to gig for her next month. But um, yeah, now I want to do more tour support so you can get used to the, like, the big rooms and stuff. Yeah, I would be so. I would just be petrified going out in front of. People that don't want to see you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> every day uh, of my life. <laughs> we're not. We're not. We're not actually. We're not here for you. But I think when you do tour support, if they come out and introduce you, it's easier because that, people want to see that person. They yeah. don't really want to see you. But then if someone comes out and goes like, "This is my buddy," and then you're like, oh, "Okay, All right, yeah, we'll seen, give her I've a chance." I've seen bands chance. do that. Yeah. And our, our, our mutual friend Tom Allen, Sarah Milligan, will come out and go. Yeah. This is my friend Tom. I hope you enjoy him. Aww. I'll be back in, in half an hour to do my set, but here's yeah, Tom. Lovely. I think that's a really that's a really supportive thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I've been I've been to see bands and um like the support act comes on and they go, Right, go on then. Entertain me. Oh, you think yeah. you're a rock star? Got a guitar, have you? <laughs> well go on then. And they've blown me away. Wow. And now, <clears throat> in fact one of the um Lovely. I went to see Steel Panther at Brixton about four years ago and this rock band came out. They were they came out to Land of Hope and Glory, and they had two girls, each with a big old Union Jack on a stick, yeah. and they were walking out. And then they came out. They did their set, but while the women were walking, I was like, "Oh, this is interesting." Well, go on then, entertain me, rock boys, <laughs> and they did. They blew me away, Whoa. and now I do work with them. Oh, lovely! Yeah, um, so lovely. It, it must be really tough being a. I'll let you Someone, know. Like a support. Yeah. Even in, even in the little clubs, it must be really tough going first. Who was I speaking to? You know, um, Neil Hamburger, and he did support for a Madison Square Gardens. He did support. Jesus, 15,000. Yeah. For, I think it was, uh, who's that rock, like School of Rock band? Oh, Jack, oh, Jack Tenacious ba- D. Yeah, Tenacious D. So I think he did support for them. And um, he, so... I mean, he's quite, he's got quite a profile anyway, okay. but I think it was a different crowd. So they, some of them didn't know who he was and some of them were like, fuck, you know, mm. like, fuck this. But then, you know, you were at Madison Square Garden. He said, I didn't give a shit. Like he's in Madison Square Gardens he's getting great money anyway. yeah. and having, you know. He doesn't but, care if he went down or not. Yeah, but I'm sure he was great. Like he's so good. Is America another dream for most comedians? I don't know, but the money's better. Like for... My friends that are in America now earn a lot more money if you sell a script or, you know, are in stuff. So, and also it's sunny all the time. I want to go out there. So we always end on... Oh, we're finished. Yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, we're coming to the end. You've got to go to your meeting. Yeah, that's true. You can't be like, sorry, I'm late for my meeting. I was doing... Podcasting. Doing a podcast, <laughs> which is the opposite of comedy. Because <laughs> you can't see shit. Um, so we always end on a quiz on this yeah. podcast. Oh. Um, for you... I'm going to tell you some really shit jokes and I want you to complete them. Okay. You give oh, me the punchline. Oh, that's line. a great idea. Okay. Okay. Um, two guys walk into a bar. One says to the other one... <laughs> <laughs> hang on, hang on. Two guys walk into the bar. What's this? Oh, no. <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. I've got this. We're just going to have 10 minutes silence and then I'm going to come up with it. <laughs> Two guys walk into a bar. Why the long face? <laughs> then he realizes that he's not very good company, and that's why his friend has got a long face. And those two guys are you and me. <laughs> You're the one with the long face. <laughs> um, what did the lawyer say to the other lawyer? Don't. I said no lawyering, <laughs> no loitering. <laughs> this website's got, oh, God. we are both lawyers. Oh. Yeah. Oh, well, you can do anti-jokes. It, I guess this is not Oh, okay. Well, then it, go back to the first one. Oh. Two guys walk into a bar. One says to the other one, I'm having a lovely night. Thanks for coming along, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't realise you could do anti-jokes. <coughs> God, what did, Barack, what did Barack say to Michelle when he got down on one knee? Um... Guess who's Barack? Daddy's Barack. Oh, that works well. Thank you. I don't want to be Obama self. Oh, lovely. Oh. That's actually better. Or what about um, Wham Bam Obama Man? Or not? I don't know. If, would, no, would the president talk like that? I'm just going to check my phone because I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> um, what does a Mexican put under his carpet? Uh, sorry, I was reading my text messages. Go again. <laughs> What does a 
What does a Mexican put under his carpet? All his gangster money. <laughs> Racist. <laughs> Actually very xenophobic. Very xenophobic. But Mexico is a dangerous game and sometimes you have to... Um, there, there's lots of like uh, gangs and even if you don't want in on it they kind of force you to so that's really just a political point about um, you're using this as a platform again please <laughs> <laughs> no what does a Mexican put um, under his carpet on here it's underlay underlay oh yeah, yeah. old joke uh, so mine's better this one actually thinks really funny what do you call a fu- hang on what does a Mexican put under his carpet underlay like yeah. anybody why do you think mexican's different to anybody else you racist fuck it's a hot country thank you what do you call a psychic midget who has escaped from prison lucky a small medium at large oh yeah i've heard it's that a one. size joe say again say again i'm gonna what do you call a psychic midget who has escaped from prison darren i know him <laughs> It's harder than it looks, this game, at home. <laughs> it's like um, when you're on Countdown. Yeah. Well, I've never been on Countdown. Neither but when you're I. at home, you think it's easy because you give yourself more time and you're not under a pressurised situation. What did one wall say to the other? Hang on, don't rush me. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, get... Why is Humpty s- sitting on us the dirty egg? <laughs> the dirty egg. Um, according to this website, which is goodbadjokes.com, mm. what, what, what did one wall say to the other? Meet you at the corner. Exclamation mark. Yeah, mine's better. I like yours. Thank you. Dirty egg. Also, um, look, it's not the 80s and this format is unworkable in 2016. <laughs> And that sums up television. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. Um, Lou, we've yeah. come to the end. We've made it. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Shaking my hand. There. Uh, thank you for coming on. Um, where can people find you? How can people find you online? LouSanders.com. Any Twitter, Instagram? Lou Sanders. On both. Oh, no. Twitter, Lou Sanders. Instagram. Why are you so interested in me? <laughs> Uh, Luli Sanders, I believe. Luli. 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 Spell that? L-O-U-I-E. Luli. Luli. Okay, brilliant. Lou, thank Lee. you very much. <laughs> Luli, thank you very much. Lovely this is to how talk we end to you. It. This is how we end it. Oh. I've been Robert Gershenson. I've been Robert Gershenson. <laughs> <laughs> we'll shoot you later.